Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. The Courage to Lead, episode 214. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com. Hey, Coach Arlen here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest. Please help me welcome Yvette Durazo. Yvette Durazo is the author of the book Conflict Intelligence, or Conflict IQ, the missing piece to turbocharge leaders and organizations' emotional intelligence. She's the principal consultant of Unitive Consulting, a workplace organizational effectiveness, strategic conflict management, and leadership development firm. Yvette brings innovative techniques to promote a positive workplace culture in organizations to encourage trust, productive human capital engagement, and inclusion. Clients benefit from her wealth of knowledge and professional experience in the art of building trusting workplace relationships. Yvette, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for inviting me to your chore to your show. Thank you. No, this is, I've been looking forward to the conversation. So I I read in your bio, you're currently the HR program chair, right? And an instructor for human resource management certification program at the University of California, Santa Clara. Also an instructor at UC Davis in conflict resolution programs. You teach at Portland State University, conflict resolution and mediation courses. You're busy. You're a very busy woman. (laughs) Yes, I, I can say that, you know, I not only am I building my consulting business, but at the same time, I, I enjoy teaching um, because I, I want more people in this field of work to be able to do great in, in our communities, in our in our yeah. companies, in our organizations. Well, in all of these areas are so critical to business. I think they've been overlooked for such a long period yes. of time. I think it's it's important to uh, to bring this out and especially teach the new people coming out of school. So they're prepared when they get into the workforce. I think that's great. Um, okay, I want to come back and talk about all that, how you got your start, um, the work you're doing. I want to talk about your book, how that came about. Um, but before we get started, I have 10 questions that I like to ask each one of my guests. Now, my listeners know these are the questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actress Studio, where the host, James Lipton, asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. So Yvette, if you're ready, I have 10 questions for you. Question number one, what is your favorite word? I think my favorite word is joy. Joy. Very nice. What is your least favorite word? Um, disempowerment. That's your least favorite? You think it's overused? I think that it's um, a word that I feel that it it is overused, but at the same time, it it has a negative denotation in order for people to really figure it out how they can move forward. 
Absolutely. True. Never thought of it. You're right. Okay. Question number three, what turns you on? My passion, the work that I do. And what turns you off? Um, I think, uh, you know, negative people, like when they have very negative uh, energy vibes, the way that they're communicating, it really turns me off. Okay. What sound or noise do you love? I think any sound of a violin. I love violence. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And what sound or noise do you hate? Um, Maybe construction. Okay. <laughs> construction work. Yes. That's there's, my least favorite. There seems to be construction everywhere. I know. Okay. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Well, I don't curse that much, so I, I wouldn't have one. Okay. Um, question number eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Profession. Uh, maybe, you know, being a dancer, a singer. Nice. Okay. I like everything that has to do with movement and music. Great. Okay. And what profession would you not like to do? A profession, I I don't know. I'm thinking about uh, these people that have to go underneath water in order to uh, fix boats. You know, they have to be underwater for so many number of hours. I wouldn't enjoy doing something <laughs> like that. I don't know why that came to my mind, but I think no. that I would enjoy Absolutely. All right. The final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm. I think I would enjoy hearing that he has been watching me all along and that uh, all the things and all the struggles that I went through, they were for my spiritual development. Good. Very nice. Okay. Perfect. All right, Yvette, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you got your start. Uh, We're going to talk about um, the work that you've done that led to where you are now. We're going to talk about your book. And at some point, we're going to talk about courage and leadership. Okay. So we're going to talk about all of that and probably a lot more right after this. So stick with us. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Yvette Durazo. Yvette, thanks again for taking time out to uh, speak to us today. I noticed a little bit of an accent. Where are you from originally? Um, I am from San Diego, California. And I don't know if you're familiar with San Diego. Mm-hmm. It, it is border to Tijuana, Mexico. And I, I had the, the beautiful opportunity to be born in San Diego, but at the same time be able to... Um, live in both sides of the border nice. and in giving me, you know, the different perspective of mm-hmm. living in a first, first world country and in a third world country. Yeah. So that's why you can hear my accent. And also because my mom, uh, she was uh, old fashioned. 
uh, and she would uh, not like us all the kids to speak English inside the house. Okay. And then I didn't got the opportunity to really speak a lot of English as I was growing up because I was in a bilingual system that it was pretty much all Spanish. And it was until probably until my teenager years when I had to start, uh, you know, verbalizing the language. And, and that's why you can still hear that. Accent. Just a little, just a little yes. bit. Yeah. San Diego's beautiful area. Love San Diego very much, but I would guess Growing up, you probably did not grow up knowing that you wanted to be a trainer and a mediator of conflicts in the workplace and, and uh, anti-bullying and, and things like that. Where did that yeah. come from? What Where did you find that passion for that? Well, it's interesting because you're right. I, I never even knew that there was a, a field of work of this type. Uh, but yet, you know, as I was growing up, being the youngest of seven, sometimes because I, I was the one that was the outcaster, the one that goes went out uh, in life and, and, you know, got married very young and, you know, went to school and everything. You know, my older siblings sometimes will come to me in order to mediate situations in between them and, and my mom or them and, and my dad. Yeah. Um I remember at a very young age also being always at my dad's uh, a tire shop. He had a tire shop on the other side of the border in Tijuana. That's, that was kind of like my playground, okay. if, if I can say. And and I used to, um, you know, try to always resolve issues in between. And I think that that skill came about from my dad because he, you know, was a very uh, – very spiritual men, self-made made men. And I think that that is where I, I gained those skills of peace building, but I didn't know that there was such a field. And then I went along um, on my career and did a bachelor's in international business. Okay. And I, I found myself working for nonprofit organizations and where I was able to experience that well-meaning people were joining in into these organizations to do good into the community, to do good into business. But then there were issues and people, people issues in those organizations. And sometimes they will, they would invite me over to talk things through with them because my personality was, you know, very, um, how do you say, I, I like to connect people. I, I was a connector. I was a collaborator. And somehow they thought, you know, let's bring in that, into the picture to see whether they, if she could find me, help us out, you know, and, and, and find what's the issue. But then all of a sudden, you know, I felt that, yes, my empathy and, and my willingness to help would help, but yet I felt that I didn't have those skills until I went in it and, and found a master's degree specifically in this field of work. Wow. Yeah. And like I said, <coughs> pause. <coughs> Sorry about that. I will edit that out. I know in a lot of industries, they struggle not only with uh, employee engagement, but the conflicts between employees, the conflicts between employees, their uh, their boss, their supervisor, uh, managers like that. When you work with companies, and, and you do that now, you help them understand how to resolve those conflicts and stuff. How do you, how do, you do that? Where do you start when you work with them? Is it basically starting with the communication or helping them understand uh, the relationships that they come about? Well, it all depends of, of the leaders who, what is it that they're looking for? 
Some leaders come to me and say, you know, we already have a problem that, you know, if we don't do something right away, you know, it's, it's, it's going to get more out of control. Yeah. And that is where I, I come into doing uh, more um, in ad hoc work, like mediation, immediately talking through with people, making sure that they, um, you know, get along better and things like that. Yeah. Uh, but I love the idea of coming in into organizations to do preventative work yeah. and where I can sit with the company and they probably have tried already other things. Um, they have team building, you know, they have done other work and somehow they still find that uh, employees are not that engaged. And especially now, in these past three years, mm-hmm. having gone through the pandemic, having gone through all of the changes in, in the political ambience and in all of the diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, the humanity has changed. You know, we have been through a change management project. Uh, worldwide in where people still are assimilating the change some you know just like in everything right whenever there's change people um, you know react to change and some assimilate fast and some don't so we have a lot of that and that is where companies are starting to see that that area of people skills that they used to not talk about conflict resolution negotiation empathy and all of that it's starting to play a bigger role in organizations in order to be able to talk about it, mm-hmm. and especially in the HR departments. When HR departments were pretty much policies and procedures, when the pandemic started, all of a sudden they have to move into more of a humanistic side of, right. of the business. And, and I feel that a lot of the HR people were not very prepared for that, even though that by nature you know, by personality trade, they go into that field because they like to work with people just mm-hmm. like I did when I finished my bachelor's degree, but yet they didn't feel that they have the actual skill. And you mm-hmm. can hear a lot of burnout in the field of HR because of that situation. And and going back to what you're telling me, I'd like to do the preventative work because then I can go in into organizations and really help them to provide a, a more systematic process that it's, the, you know, that it's especially uh, inadequate to the organization and to the culture, right? It could be anything by perhaps bringing an ombudsperson and I, and I can be that ombudsperson that they can hire at nice. hoc to come in and do ombuds work in the organization. It could be developing a dispute system design inside the organization in where employees have the ability to come in and and humanistically talk about the issues that they have Mm -hmm. before they they go into uh, filling out a form of complaint or or simultaneously when they're filling out a form of complaint, they also can talk things through and have someone to a third person that Mm -hmm. to third neutral person that can facilitate or somebody train in the organization where they can feel comfortable to right. be able to talk things through. Because what happens is that when employees go in and do formal complaints, it takes almost 90 days for a formal complaint to be investigated and figured out. And then wow. nothing happens with those two employees. In the contrary, it gets worse because sure. all of a sudden one person accused the other person and then it didn't have merits and the relationship if it right. goes, goes worse, it goes sour worse. And I think that's, that's what a lot of companies don't, don't think about is it, there's a ripple effect 
If something yeah. happens between these two employees and it's not resolved, those ripples go out to all their friends and the people they hang out with and talk to. Yeah. And it really can impact the the business. The culture, whole. the whole culture. And and what happens is that a lot of leaders think, okay, we have HR. HR is a human side of the company. They'll they'll deal with it. But many of the HR um, professionals are not skilled in conflict resolution, mediation, right. facilitation. They're not skilled on that. And what tends to happen is that they follow policy and procedures and either they say it's carrot and the stick, right? Mm -hmm. You behave this well, otherwise we'll fire you. Right. And then HR pretty much follow the lead when things get worse through a legal counsel. And then legal counsel starts dictating what is it that they have to do in order to get rid of the employee. Wow. And and because legal counsel only see risk, only see risk. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they don't see the human side. They don't see that perhaps talking things through with the, the that individual and fixing things in between people. People sometimes the only thing that they want is to hear why is it that they, you did me wrong? I cannot right. understand why. Um, they want to hear, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this. Or they want to hear, you know what? There was a time that perhaps we didn't get along well and all of a sudden things escalated. But I want to go back to where we were, sure. we were friends and we can collaborate and work together. Yeah. Or, or we can find ways to professionally work together, but maybe we cannot be friends anymore, but we can professionally work together. Sure. It costs more to a company uh, to fire and hire people than, than it does to bring somebody like me to help people right. to get along better. Yeah, huge um, amount of money to, to exactly. hire somebody to do all the all the work it takes to put the ads out, to do the interviews, all the time that it takes to hire somebody. It's a lot cheaper if you can fix whatever's going on. Yeah, the higher the the hierarchy of that employee, the more it will cost, mm -hmm. right? And you have conflict all over the organization. Sometimes right. you have conflict on the lower levels, the leaders, executives, you know, at all all the time. And I remember when I first started about eleven years ago, um, trying to go out into organizations and talk about what I would do, and it is like. No, we don't have any conflict here. Yeah. It doesn't exist. They will hide it under the rug, right? Because they didn't want the the, the information to get out and all that. Um, obviously, the work that I do requires a lot of confidentiality. You know, I work with organizations that have certain issues, and I cannot talk about the issues. I cannot sure. uh, say much about what they you know, what I did with them because of the fact that it, you know, I have to abide by, by levels of confidentiality. Um, but yet, you know, uh, back in the days I was having more struggle to, uh, you know, to go into organizations. Sometimes they would say, please don't say that you're a conflict resolution consultant, just say you're a <laughs> consultant. Right. Right. Um, but they don't realize that the, you know, what is said, not calling the elephant that it's in the room right. can be very toxic. Right? Absolutely. No, and, the, and the employees able, see, yeah. the employees see when you bring someone in and they automatically think the worst, right? Yeah. I was a management consultant. We would go into a company and the minute they see us come in and start setting up in our cubicles, they thought, uh-oh, here come layoffs. 
you know, this is happening. Maybe it's a merger acquisition or something. They get, they get scared. I think you have to let them know what's going on. You know, we realize there's some, some tension here. We're bringing people in to help us work this out so we can get back to being, you know, the, the team that we are. Exactly. And, um, Lately, uh, a lot of my work has transitioned more into helping organizations with the equal opportunity. Well, not the equal opportunity. I have worked inside the, the departments of the equal opportunity mm-hmm. to help uh, help them uh, figure it out. Everything that has to do with diversity and inclusion when it comes to communication. Right. You know, nowadays, um, uh, many companies have the the uh, employer. As, uh, employer relations groups, mm-hmm. they have the affinity groups, all these groups. But then if you don't have somebody that is well-trained in, in the facilitated process, yeah. it can backfire. It That's can create problems inside organizations. Yeah. And when they uh, are not trained to have those difficult conversations, then it becomes a danger. Yeah. So I work with organizations in helping them bring in uh, facilitated processes for employees to have this type of conversation. Nice. And, yeah, and I, I grab, yeah. I'm sorry. I think uh, thinking back, I mean, I've, uh, companies that I've worked with and worked for, a lot of times HR was more looking for uh, towards the company, protecting the company and mm-hmm. uh, enforcing the policies and procedures, making sure things are done right, all the documentation is done the way it's supposed to. When did it shift to where HR is now looking out for the employees? Is, was it because of the pandemic or, or did it start before that to where they're actually taking more of an interest in the well-being of the employees as well as the business? Mm-hmm. When did that happen, do you think? Well, I think the pandemic had a lot to do, right? Because now they had the human side of the, the, the situation inside the organization, yet you know, HR has always been seen that they're protecting the organization more than than, than the company, right? Mm-hmm. Because of the way that they have to follow policies and procedures. Yes, it has gotten a, a bit of a shift on, on looking more into the human side, but they still have to look to the policy procedures in order mm-hmm. to continue, you know, protecting the company. And, and a lot of the employees don't trust HR. Right. So that's why I'm suggesting that when organizations can bring in specialists like I and where I can develop a, an entire uh, program, you know, another, you know, a, a HR is a dispute system design. Employer relations is another dispute system design. Mm-hmm. Whistleblower is another one, right? right? Equal opportunity is another one. Those are dispute system designs, but they're designed for formal complaints. Right. So what do you have in your in, in an organization or how can you bring in an organization a dispute system designing where people can be hurt and people can try to figure things out? And if that doesn't it doesn't work very well, that's why they'll have the formal complaints process. Right. The a very well noted uh, uh, organization that has used very good uh, dispute system design is the um is the USPS. Okay. They have a program internally for the past 20 years in where employees have the option to to follow a formal complaint or do both. 
Okay. Or do or do the non-formal process. So they have those three opportunities for employees to figure it out and deal with the conflict with our other employees. Okay. And through this hour of the day has been successful. It has been in place. Nice. You know, and it and 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 it we do transformative work inside those organizations whenever we allow people to talk about their conflict, figure out what to do. You know, it you know, it's a self-reflective process in where they can see themselves as part of the issue and try to figure it out. How is yeah. it that they can get along with the other person? But I think if, um, if you there, could build the other... culture, if you could build the culture to where people feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying, I have an issue with this, or I have a question about this, or this is a concern right. of mine. If you could build that type of culture, it makes it a lot easier. And I think for a long time, the culture was, you have a job, do what I tell you to do. And so you're afraid to bring anything to management. You're afraid to bring anything to HR because you don't think it's going to be worked on. You suffer silently and then maybe you find another job. And so companies were losing a lot of their top employees just because they didn't have an avenue where they could go. I like the idea that you're going in and teaching them how to build these things into their culture so that they can have conversations with their employees without that that feeling of of being threatened. Yeah. And I think that more nowadays, we need more of that. Because, like I said, humanity has changed with the the change, the huge change management project that we, we were put on for the past three years. Humanity is not the same. And, and humanity is really thinking about, am I going to go to work and where I'm not being respected, where I'm not being uh, heard, where I'm not being part of the, of the process, where I, where I cannot develop myself, right? right, right. Now employees are asking employees for, for more, right? Sure. And, and, and employees are saying, Am I going to go to a job where I'm not being respected? Am I going to go to a job where where there's conflict with other employees and I don't want to deal with that? I'd rather just go out and and live elsewhere where it can be cheaper, Mm -hmm. where I can have a better quality of life Mm -hmm. and where I can do work online. Sure. And And a lot of people have because of the pandemic realize I can work remotely, which means the world is open to me. I don't Mm -hmm. have to put up with this. I can go somewhere else where they actually value who I am. Exactly. Nice. Or, or yeah, or perhaps, you know, they might choose to do something else, not in their career, because they're starting to value more their life. Yeah. Why? Because everybody ended up being in front of a situation and where we can die at any point, right? Yep. The yep. virus that, you know, the infection was so bad that people could eventually die, right? Back, yep. back when we started, we just didn't know. So putting ourselves in that perspective that, at any given point, we something can happen to us. Really, put a lot of people into perspective, exactly. right? And they're and they're in a space in their life when we're say and where they can say, you know, am I going to go to a job and be all stressed out, having issues with all the people because everybody doesn't know commu- communicate well, right. and dealing with a boss that is aggressive or that it's micromanager, that it's bully. Um, do I want to do that? I'd rather not. I'd rather go and do another type of job and, and be 
and have, you know, low blood pressure, you know, like we have my normal blood pressure because a lot of people, whenever they're dealing with these uh, aggressive uh, environments and bullying and all of that, people start getting healthy issues. Sure. And I'm not telling you this because I read it in a book or I read it in, in publications. I went through my own sets of experiences. Yeah. You know, in the process that I was starting my, my degree, I went myself through these processes. So wow. I know what it means to losing your health when you're dealing with a toxic environment. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes people don't realize it. They just go to work and they continue going until something doesn't, doesn't and, match up. And, you know, in my situation, right. They bring yeah. it home and now you have the same situation at home. So not only usually you come home, you, you feel safe, you feel comfortable at home and everything like that, but you bring that toxicity home and now mm -hmm. you have a toxic environment at home and you have no escape from it. Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what it's happening. A lot of people would say, Yvette, now that people are working from home, do you think that the conflict has been reduced in at work? And it's like, no, yeah. because now, even though that they're not physically there, they're in the computer, they're working with these people, and, and they're bringing this energy home. Yeah. You know, they are still dealing with the same problems, but yet they're home, but they're still stressing out because they have to deal with these uh, aggressive person in the workplace. They don't want to go into these online meetings because it still creates the same visceral effect when you're in front of that person because you still haven't had that right communication. Yeah. All right. So that I you can tell you're passionate about these topics. I, I know how much they mean to you and everything like that. Tell me about your book, Conflict Intelligence. You know, we hear about emotional intelligence. Um, conflict intelligence is one of those things that people don't really think very much about. Tell me about how the book, how you came about writing the book. Well, first of all, one of the things that I noticed when I was going out there and saying, oh, I'm a conflict resolution specialist, um, people were had a bad denotation to conflict, you know? And then all of a sudden I had to disguise the information about, oh, I'm, I do organizational effectiveness in order for me to be able to have more conversation about that. And everybody knows that there's conflict organizations. There's mm -hmm. conflict, whenever there's two people, there's always, yes. there, there could be a chance always. of conflict, right? <laughs> so um, I wanted to, change that. I wanted people to see conflict as, as an opportunity. But I said, well, people cannot see that because everybody fears conflict. Just like public speaking, people fear conflict. Yes. And then I went about my years in working with, um, you know, a lot of people. And, and I started noticing that some of these people were very good in emotional intelligence. I, I even tested them and I saw, you know, some of them have, were high in emotional intelligence, but yet they still were having issues with having those difficult conversations. They still were showing up uh, with me and saying, Yvette, I have to have this conversation. I have to say, I have to talk about a negative performance or I have to talk to an employee about this and that. And I'm still having issues I don't feel very well right. and and even to the point that people will not even sleep well uh, you could see it in their face that they were very worried and at the moment that they would be working with me and then I you know I would work with them and and help them shift the way that they were communicating and how they were going to say things you can see it that they were more relaxed yeah 
And I realized that even though that they were, you know, in a, in a good level of emotional intelligence, they were still having issues, having those difficult conversations. Yeah. So I realized if I help these individuals with my methodology to become more conflict intelligence, right. that is going, going to help with their emotional intelligence. That's the next level. You know, emotional intelligence, conflict intelligence. Now right. you're all set. Then I realized that those are the skill sets that you want for leaders in organizations. Sure. Those are the, these are the skills, you know, because becoming conflict intelligence, just like an emotional intelligence, it's just not one skill. It's a meta skill. Right. They're yeah. various skills that you have to work on. And on top of that, I realized that becoming a conflict intelligence also have, you have to work inside the, the, the individual. You also have to transform the individual from the inside out in mm -hmm. order for them to become it, to become conflict intelligence. Right. You know, what I'm offering is not a framework because only the framework will work in some times or some ways or another. It's not, not all the time. You know, I'm not giving you a script. I'm not giving you a right. framework, but I'm giving you an opportunity to, to transform yourself to, to become conflict intelligence, nice. who I think, um, these meta skills or these skills of becoming conflict intelligence really makes up for those leaders that people want to work for. Nice. Very cool. And that was my, my, my life passion because I saw that through my father. My father didn't have any formal education. He never went to school. He barely went to second grade. Yet he had these skills already embedded on him nice. that made him a good leader a leader that people to this hour of the day after 25 years that he passed away, people mm. talk about him and, and tears go down their, their mm. eyes because he was so impactful. Nice. He was somebody that left a beautiful legacy because he was a great leader. Their employees took care of our business like if it was theirs because sure. my father would treat them very well and they will follow him. They will follow him because he was a great leader, right? right? Somebody that they enjoy working with. So yeah. that's yeah. where I where realized that my passion as I was growing up with a father like that gave me the opportunity to say, you know, I work in organizations and where I wasn't treated very well by my, my own managers, supervisors. Mm -hmm. So I wish I would have had somebody like my father. Right. So, but most likely, we don't have a lot of those people outside. I'm, I'm not saying that they're not out there because there's a few of them. I'm sure, out there, they but, are. Yeah, there's but a few. But how can we bring them. more? Exactly. But how can we build more? Exactly. So that's how I came about developing this methodology, this book, and 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 I'm doing all my best to put it out there. Yeah. I self-published the book. Okay. I didn't know how to do that. I just did it organically. Yes, I'm, I'm still learning, right? Mm -hmm. sure. And how to put my word out there because a lot of people do not know that people with my field of work exist yeah. and that we're, we're way more cost effective and, and, and create transformations in the workplace more exactly. than an attorney will do, more than bringing in law, more well, than bringing policies, right? And that is always, like you said, after something has happened, you bring the lawyers in, you bring these people in, you want to try mm -hmm. to head that off. You know, yeah. managers, you want managers to understand that 
you can avoid a lot of the conflicts if you put these pieces in place, right? If you exactly. talk to your employees on, a, on an ongoing basis, if your employees feel valued, they feel that they're engaged, that they're listened to, they're heard, um, all those things, if you put that work in now, you can avoid all the legal aspects later. Exactly, exactly. Or or perhaps even either avoid them or 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 people will just step back and say, you know what, I've seen it on my own with my own eyes. I've seen it that people have put formal complaints and then all of a sudden once I mediate, I facilitate the com- communication, people would say, you know what, I see my stake in this situation. I see right. where I also participated in this conflict. Or, or I, or I already see what the other person was thinking, and 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 now I understand that you know we might not be able to be friends, but we can collaborate, sure. and we can find these uh, mechanisms in, in our communication so that I, we can work together. And nice. people will remove those formal complaints, and then people, you know, in the in that department will will not have to spend ninety hours to investigate and figure right. it out and create reports and you name it. Exactly. And like you said, if we can teach people how to have those difficult conversations without it feeling like conflict, right? If you can have Mm -hmm. those conversations, they'll take that home with them. They'll take that out into the world, their friends. You won't have the conflicts you normally do just in in normal everyday life. So yeah, it's going to impact a lot more than just the business. Yeah, exactly. At first I was trying to, you know, do my, my consulting work from my consulting work to anybody, people. But I learned from years that people do not change. If it wouldn't be because it hurts them, they're losing something. They're very inspired because they can, they want to change it. They have the knowledge and they, they are willing to put it into practice. So it is very difficult to, to do that with just a regular, regular people. Right. And I knew that this work that I do is so transformational that when they do this work, they become better, better uh, family members, better community members, better parents, you know, and that helps overall everybody. Right. So I said, you know, I'm going to start going into organizations and that is where I can make more of the impact because if I tell an employee or I tell an, uh, the person that it's going to hire me, which is usually the C-suite people right. or BPs of HR or directors. Uh, if I tell them, you know what, I'm going to help you to help you with the performance issues. I'm going to help you with having better culture and where people enjoy coming to work. How many people we have that they drag Going to work is not that they don't like their job, but they don't like the boss or they don't like working with other co-workers because there's conflict, right? right and right. they don't want to go and do it. So if I can, you know, if they can listen to me and I can and I can say, you know, if we do this, you're going to see the return on investment. Most likely I will get into the organizations. And then when I go into the organizations, I'm working with humans. I realized that going to person to person and trying to sell them, you know, conflict resolution, mediation, negotiation skills was very hard. So I, I decided to go into organizations and where people will be more open to hear that if they build this skill, their career will be better. They'll be able to ascend to another position. They'll be able to manage people better. They'll be able to stress less. So 
that was my venue to go in and do more transformational work because at the nice. moment that I'm working with with people inside organizations, it helps them to become better parents, better family members, better community members. Right. And and like I was mentioning to you, um, people only change because they're either they have to because something they're losing money or they right. it's very painful. They might be very um, inspired by somebody or they have the knowledge and they're willing to put it into practice. Mm-hmm. Other than that, people would not do anything. So right. I, I thought, you know, it's better to go to organizations and work with people inside the organizations. Nice. And, and if I can help them raise their performance, their culture, and people can work better together, then they're going to see a return on investment. And right. I get the opportunity to transform people so that they can be better in the community. Nice. That is awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So on the podcast also, we, we talk about courage. Where did you mm-hmm. find your courage? Number one, to decide to go into this area, which is a difficult area to get into, um, to write your book, right? Because that can be scary for some people. Where did that courage come yeah. from? I think that the courage came from um, knowing that I want to leave a legacy. Okay. I want to do something good for for the world, right? I think that that is what inspired me every morning to wake up every morning and say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to work with people that if I help them with what I know and my methodology and the way of thinking that I, that I have to develop these, these work that I'm doing, I'm making a difference. I'm, I'm transforming people and those people will be transforming other people. It's like paying it forward, kind of. Nice. So that is what really inspired me. And that's where I get my courage. Nice. And I think you probably got a lot of courage from your, your father, too. Because you that's said right. even without the education, he had his yeah. business. He ran his business for years. Mm-hmm. And I would think that with my mom and my dad, you know, mm-hmm. these, uh, you know, these parents of mine were products of the, of the, of the, uh, uh, you know, that era of the depression, you know, where, mm-hmm. where the 1930s, where, yeah. um, where people had to reinvent themselves, right. Yeah. In order to create something out of, out of what they were doing. And, and my mom and my dad, um, you know, they were both born, born in the 19, 1926. So mm-hmm. they were young when they experienced that. And I think that also that make them a very courageous uh, humans. Nice. You know, in order to to build, uh, you know, business together, you know, because my mom obviously helped my dad create his business. And 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 she was a very rageous, very strong woman, personality wise. Mm-hmm. But I think it was because she she was raised in an environment where where, you know, the big depression was was sure. in their in their front, yeah. in their front face and, and my daughter became an orphan at, at age seven so oh. they, they they both built from that resiliency something very unique and very strong nice. um, they were very distinct people but that is where I see you know it's very interesting when I hear people saying you know I was I actually was at a dinner a Christmas dinner and I was hearing from every single one of these people that I just barely met Everybody was saying, oh, well, I was born from a dysfunctional family and blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And then the other person <laughs> would go, I was also born from a dysfunctional family. Like, yeah, everybody. And I said, you know, 
it is through those dysfunctional families that we build and we learn resiliency yeah. if we really pay attention. Sure. So I don't think that there's dysfunctional families. You know, I know that there's, you know, where we're talking about real severe dysfunctional families, you know, they are, you know, people that were abusive to their kids and, 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 you know, but everybody thinks that the normalcy is to say we come from a dysfunctional family instead of realizing that it was because of those families dynamics that we became who we are and that we have a lot to learn from. You know, I saw my father, my mom and my dad be so distinct personality, but they made it work. They stayed together for life. Right. You know, obviously my father passed away earlier than my mom, but, you know, they were in it for life. They they found ways to figure things out. Right. Even though that they were distinct and they were very different. But you do hear everybody say dysfunctional family. And a lot of businesses, if you look at their uh, about us on their website, it says we are a family. Well, most mm-hmm. families are dysfunctional, right? Yeah. You're right. You can learn the resilience. You can learn to work together. Use exactly. the differences to build something better. Exactly. And and that is what I denoted, conflict intelligence. You know, this is something good. Of course, you have to distinguish when conflict becomes emotional and becomes toxic. And how can you transform it to become a a cognitive conflict in where people can become creative? People do not attack each other, but rather become creative, see the issue and say, you know, we're in it together. We're going to figure things out. Right. Right. Just like my parents did throughout their life. Imagine being born in that era of life and trying to figure it out that they were two of them together, having a family and trying to figure out with adversity and, 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 you know, and, ha- and not having a lot, yep. you know, and, 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 you know, building themselves, right. Yep. The same thing I see with the idea of conflict intelligence. And, exactly. and that's why I, I feel very passionate about, you know, putting the word out and, 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 and hopefully, you know, through these podcasts, I would have more opportunity to go out into organizations and play, you know, because what I do, I, I see it as, a, as, as something that I enjoy so much, helping organizations to see things from a different level, helping organizations to raise their level of consciousness yeah. so that they can rise and they can do better products, they can do better service. And I feel part of that. And, and for me, that is my joy, you know, to be able to do that. So I hope that through all these podcasts, I have mm-hmm. the opportunity to reach more people and more organizations, decision makers that are the ones that would take the time to hear me and see whether what I bring can make a difference to their organizations Absolutely. and their people that they have in organizations. They can definitely make a difference. Absolutely. And your passion does come through. I, it absolutely does. Um uh, Thank you. Yeah, for this. This has been amazing. If people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? What is your website? Yeah, it's Unitive Consultant. I, I have sent you the links there. Okay. Um, they can Google my name, Yvette Durazo, and I would you, you will find me on a lot of YouTube videos. Okay. I, I've been doing podcasts as much as I can in order to put my word out. Because like I said, you know, my field of work is not very unique. It is it is unique in a way, but yeah. it's not very common. But there's a lot of us like out there uh, doing this type of work. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, we're still not not 
you know, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of companies don't realize that we exist as consultants. Right. Exactly. And and that we're very distinct from, from the regular business consultants that you can bring into organization. Okay. So either they can you you know in YouTube, they can, you know, I'm in Instagram and in LinkedIn, they can okay. look me up under Yvette DeRosso, Unitive Consultant it also is in LinkedIn. Um, so they can probably contact you or or see, you know, the podcast and they can contact me that way. Excellent. All right. Well, I will make sure all of those links are in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. Your book, Conflict Intelligence, is that available on uh, Amazon? Yes, it is okay. available on Amazon. And just quickly to let you know that I have developed an entire 12 module program to teach conflict intelligence to professionals. Excellent. So I, 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 I have it on the website. I okay. want to do it for you know, the day-to-day professionals that want to upgrade their their skills. And I also want to bring this into organizations. So I have a, an assessment and I have also the, the course. Very good. All right. And that is all available on your website. Yes. Unitive Consulting. Very cool. Yvette, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. And I really appreciate this opportunity to put the word out. Absolutely. No, I, I, people need to hear about this and they need to know that there is help available. If they have problems within their company, don't wait till it gets to the legal um, bridge. Do it now, work on it now, you know? Yeah. And especially I mean, family, family businesses also oh, deal yeah. with a lot of inner, <laughs> interpersonal conflicts. So Absolutely. I work a lot with family businesses, with startups, you know, sometimes startups, they go with a uh, legal, um, Council and they said, mm-hmm. you know, I want to start a company and they fill up a contract of how they're going to work together, how they're going to mm-hmm. divide uh, revenue and things like that. But they forget about the human side. Sure. Where is a contract that they can work together that when things don't go well, how are they going to work? How do we together? handle it? Yeah. Yeah. How are you going to handle it? How do you know the other person when the other person becomes? agitated and, and what are the behaviors, right? Yep. And that is where also I come into place and I help them um, get to know themselves better, get to know the behaviors that people will show up whenever they, they're dealing with stressors or, or conflict so that they can realize, okay, this is the way that my partner uh, deals with conflict. How can I support him or how, how can I let them alone in order to figure things out? so that we can continue building the business because a lot of companies go down down sure. if they if the human side of it do not get along yeah most of the time it's not the finances that'll take yeah. the business down it's the conflict between the 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 partners. business partners yeah. yeah wow yeah so much all right i may have to have you back just so we can talk about this more because i love this topic all right Yvette, thank you so much for being on here. Appreciate it. And like I said, I'll have all the links down in the show notes so people know how to get in touch with you, how to follow you, and how to get a copy of your book, Conflict Intelligence. All right. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. All right. Listeners, hope you guys were taking notes. Sure. And uh, share this episode with your family, friends, colleagues. Make sure you uh, leave a review um, about the the podcast, this episode and other episodes, just because it does help promote uh, the podcast. That's what we want to do. So make sure you leave your reviews out there. And uh, that's it for me. Thanks for, for listening and stuff. Hope you enjoyed this and we'll talk to you again soon. Coach Harlan saying so long for now. <laughs>